Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurb. That's a um, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. What up, Corner Kids? It's a brand new episode of Minority Corner coming at ya. And our lovely and amazing Mackenzie Green is back, and we get into it. Marvel's What If just wrapped, and woof, was it better than it needed to be than we had expected. We dive into the things that we really loved about it. I think we do a pretty good job of being spoiler-free. And then, since my fellow Little Mixer is here, we have to talk about Jesse, former member of Little Mix, has left and is doing a solo career, which we like, oh, okay, okay, what's this going to be about? But then when we see the music video and the song, which is covering Bad Boys for Life from P. Diddy, and you see the music video, and you're like, oh, is she blackfishing? And then Vulture calls her out on it, so we have to have a conversation about our Jesse, formerly of Little Mix, and uh, why these white pop stars just can't help but putting on blackfish and face and get up and music and all that good stuff. So we dive into it. And then in the main corner, I am going to talk to you about an idea that my therapist put into my head and I dived in even further. And we're going to talk about perfectionism as a characteristic and symptom of white supremacy, which also leads us into other characteristics of white supremacy. So we're going to go through this list. We're going to break these down, check which ones that are maybe plaguing your life, and then we're going to abolish them from your life by the end of this episode. That is the goal, because nobody want that. Uh-uh. And then, the moment we have all been waiting for, Mackenzie is finally going to take us through what exactly Stoicism is and how you can apply it to your life, who are black Stoics that you need to know. It is just so fabulous. It is just, this is a feel-good, healthy episode to help jumpstart your day or your evening or whatever time you're listening to it. It is this is a great one, folks. So strap in. Let's get ready to learn, laugh, and play right here on a brand new episode of My Lady Corner. Let's go. Mackenzie Green back again. As promised, fan favorite. It's uh, what if Mackenzie came back on the podcast? Well, you're finding out right now. <laughs> it is. This is this is another uh, multiverse where I'm always this here. You're always here. Yes, dreams. I would like I would like that verse very much. Uh, you'll have to excuse my tired party girl voice because uh, I'm actually not working this week. And so I did what anybody who would do is go out on a we, the blue angels are here right now in San Francisco. <laughs> okay. And so we're like, let's go watch them from a park far away. Like watch means like <laughs> they were far away and we were yeah. just drinking wine <laughs> in the you, park. <laughs> people can judge you all they want for this, but I will say I used to be very like, oh, whatever, flyovers. And then um, whatever the Super Bowl, so my dad and I are obsessed with the Super Bowl. It's a very long backstory, but we go, we've been to so many. 
and yeah. we went to the first one that Peyton Manning was in. And my dad kept being like, Mackenzie, the flyers, flyover is going to happen. We're like front row, right behind the Colts end zone. And he's like, Mackenzie, the flyers are going to happen. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's some planes <laughs> overhead. Because again, <laughs> from D.C., you see like the Apaches in oh, the air. You yeah. see all this stuff. I'm like, who yeah. cares? Like, the flyover's coming. The flyover. And I was like, leave me alone. They fly over. I screamed and cheered like I had never been out of my house ever wow. in my life. <laughs> I I told somebody I was like, because I again, I think it's because I'm from D.C. I am so low key. I'm low key now, but I'm very patriotic. And yeah. when that happened, I just like fully the redneck jumped out of me, and I was like, America! I love this country. And my dad was just mortified. He was like, "That's why I was trying to scare you." So, like, I don't even know how I would act if I saw the Blue Angels. I'd be like, this is amazing. I'm crying. God bless this country. <laughs> we did stop sipping our wine uh, when they would fly. And and I would say, because like, they've been flying all week, and it's been just like, oh, what is that noise? When you can't see it, it's annoying. But yes. when you can see it, you're, you like, this see it, is, you're like, yeah, this is great. Look at I them do these like tricks. Look how close they are together. I like that you have a week off and you do something cool, like hang out with your friends. like do them. I literally took a day off friday so i could go to disney Ooh, like just by myself because yeah. i frequently right? do that i just decide yeah. like today is the day and then on top of it i'm that person who has an annual pass who walked in got on haunted mansion went oh this is fun because they've changed it to nightmare before christmas yeah and i was like this is fun and then i was like it's crowded i'm going home and, left. <laughs> and this woman was like <laughs> truly this lady at the gate was like didn't i just check you in i was like mm -hmm, bye yep Oh, yep. Too many people here. I need a yeah. private McKinsey day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm horrible. Uh, well, I, act like, I, I act like it's my part. It, well, I mean, they need to, you know, they need to get it right. Well, it's mainly because I have a week off, but I am, per my therapist's advice, I am scheduling, like, actual hangout times with human beings and people. Yeah. So I went to my therapist, and I was like, I'm depressed. And he's like, you listen to everything I was saying. And he's like, you're not depressed. You're depleted. And that was an eye-opening sort of moment and just like the power it's a powerful d word but i feel like there's something within my wheelhouse to change that and it was that i'm not getting enough human being interactions because even at work like you hop on a zoom and it's transactional it's like yeah. you might have a few little chit chats but it's like okay you get to the there's an agenda right and so i'm being intentional about scheduling friend time like just to you know that. with no no agenda except we were just drinking and we can watch the Blue Angels, and now now it sounds like Tara That's Reed so cool. is here on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I love that. So, thing. yeah, you've got to have your tools that help you with your depletion. And human beings are wired, hardwired for connection. And so I think it's just getting out of the habit of just like, you know, with the pandemic Lovato, it's been just spending a lot of time by ourselves. And I've gotten really used to it. But in sometimes, you know, you work so much. And by the end of the day or the week, I'm so tired, but you still have to, like, you know, get the rest, but also, again, yeah. make time to see other human beings. And it's weird that now we've come out of this panini press and we all pause and we're like, <laughs> what matters to me? And, like, yes. truly, you're just like, oh, that matters, that doesn't, this is a thing, that isn't, why did I do this again? No, I don't want to come to whatever that is you're having. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, speaking of people coming out of the uh, Panini Press, as you put it, uh, with new discoveries, um, Jesse from Little Mix has <laughs> discovered 
her like that segue <laughs> has discovered her solo career and uh as both of us are huge little mix fans yeah. i was like this is the perfect thing to talk about and vulture did a full court press interview with her <laughs> and they did not pull any punches with their interview on, on her and to the point where like they got me thinking about things that i hadn't even really thought of and where they pretty much call her out the thesis of like what we've also realized with a lot of our combos, like when we discuss Gossip Girl, we're like, I also think it's just <laughs> then I start feeling like my parents where I'm like, oh, I'm just so accustomed to this that yes. it didn't even occur to me to be like, you're a, you're a cultural culture vulture. I'm like, oh, this is what happens. <laughs> like, this is the natural progression. You, you yeah. solo, you pull a Miley Cyrus, you put on a jersey dress and some high heel Timberlands, and you're like, Jay's on my feet. Or like, Christina, <laughs> like, you gyrate around on Red Man, and we all like, oh, duh. Like, I think <laughs> I applaud them for calling her out, but I'm also like, wow. I, yes. How fucked up has my black experience been that I was just like, oh, yeah, that's what they that's what yeah. all do. They leave, they find a rapper, you, you know, put on a lot of tanner. Like, I love Ariana Grande. Uh, so and I've always kind of come to terms with <laughs> Seven Rings, where I'm like, huh, she was in front of Two Chains of Trap House talking about shopping at Tiffany's with a Rodgers and Hammerstein sample. And I was like, this is the height of music. And I was in my 30s. <laughs> yes. And so to catch everybody up, so Jesse, for who, le who left Little Mix, and it always is scary when someone leaves a group, because especially yes. a group that you love, because it for some reason always breaks the group. Snaps Little Mix because they have been going strong without her. And in some ways, it's like, okay, they're doing just yeah. fine. The trio's strong, putting out new music. They're preggers. Babies. So yeah, putting out like music. having a child doing documentaries, <laughs> putting out new music. They're like, <laughs> they're doing really just fine. But then, so in this interview, they do a full interview with Jesse talking about just like her journey. And then they're like, and then we talked to her about black fishing. And I was like, wait, we're going there. Yeah. Like the article, it came out of nowhere. They're like, well, we had to talk to her about like, you know, she's uh, appropriating black culture in yeah. her music video. I hadn't seen the music video yet. And they I call have. her out on it. And <laughs> she was just like. Oh, I just I grew up with you know hip hop music and uh, as a child, so I didn't really think twice about it. And uh, and then they're like, we we went to her for a follow up, but her team never got back to us. And yeah. I and you know what it made me realize is there was because she's not doing anything like that. She's you know super tan and orange and and yeah. is she's but it's something about her black fishing. I was able to excuse it when she was in Little Mix because of Leanne. There's something about right, and they there talk about this. In, yes. There's they talk something about this about in documentary. Her being surrounded by all these other people that you're kind of like, oh, well, she's that one friend in your friend group that's like, <laughs> the girl that flopped down is like, sis, period, per, oh, and you're just like, <laughs> okay. And everybody, but and because the one black girl in the group is like, anyway, so I will take a refill of my mimosa. <laughs> and yeah, I want the egg Benedict. But yeah, can you swap out the English muffin? And she's still like, <laughs> yes, period, yes, boom, get it, what? get it, get it. Yes, wait. And you're just like, and it was excusable because like my mind excused it because she was in such close proximity to leanne and they talk about yeah. this in leanne's documentary to bring it back uh race power and pop that like putting leanne or putting a black girl in a girl group 
allows them to have that sort of street cred, yeah. allows them to have that like urbanness to it. But now that she's writing solo, you want to dial that back, Jesse. But you then can't. that's what instantly I was like, oh, that's why Nicki Minaj is there and not like. Yeah. I almost said Iggy Azalea. Iggy Azalea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's, but she is literally pulling that's what I'm Iggy saying. It's like she's, Azalea. She's, yeah. And I think like I used to very much be in this camp of like, oh, who. <laughs> Again, we all take journeys from, you know, assimilationist to anti-racist guys. Where I, too, used to be in the boat of, like, who gives a shit if Iggy Azalea uses a black scent? Like, I know I I turn up the dial on my shit when I'm in mixed company. Exactly. I code switch intentionally. Because, like, I am a huge fan of, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Nicole Byer. And, like, Nicole Byer is, like, people are always, like, you don't talk black enough. And she's, like... It is not my fault that I'm like, ooh, baby, ooh, boy, goody, goody, what a treat. Like, she's like, that's how I really talk. Like, I'm not yeah. kidding. And I know I do it all the time where I'm like, girl, yeah. what? You, if you don't get out of my face and then instantly, like, with my friends I grew up with who know me, know me. And I'm like, yeah, girl. And they're like, I have never heard you said ain't or y'all a day in my life. If you don't stop whatever this black version of you is, like, the southeast version of you. And I'm like, I know, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, it helped legitimize me. And I think, like, that's where I used to be like, who cares? Then, though, you start unpacking the, like, Mm -hmm. ghetto till proven fashionable narrative and, like, all this stuff where then you do have moments of, like, I used to be very, like, let's not gatekeep gold jewelry. And now my thing is, like, (laughs) absolutely. By all means, come up with your luxury mahjong kit. Just don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining when you make it. And you're like, guys, I have discovered a thing called gua sha. Have you ever heard of this new way to massage? It's like, first of all, that is hundreds of years old and has been used by Asian people for centuries. Yes. And just because you just discovered it, uh-huh. because your friend went on a trip to Hong Kong after watching Crazy Rich Asians and went to the, like, Elemis Spa and had gua sha done. The same thing with, like, a satin pillowcase. I don't give a shit. Everybody should yeah. have nice skin and hair. <laughs> Just don't charge me $40 for a thing that I have been getting from the beauty supply store (laughs) since I was, like, a little girl. And so, like, that's my thing with homegirl. It's like, I'm not trying to gatekeep you, but, like, have all the references. Like, that's why I think we can excuse Bruno Mars. Because Bruno Mars will get up there, and he will be James Brown. And we all will hear for the next year about everything about James Brown, what he loved about James Brown, the history of James Brown, the influence of him. And you're like, yeah, we get it, Bruno. We get it. We get it. Got it. Please shut up. Did your homework. You understand. But I also need to see Jesse doing like a docu. Where's her documentary about like racism in the music industry? Like, but that's what I'm saying is like I think had she done this, (laughs) this is horrible to say, but like had she done this video. And then simultaneously at the same time, then, like, I started my own label where I'm literally dedicated to, like, putting on small black artists. Like, I have my own version of the musical equivalent of the 15% pledge. I think we'd all be like, (sighs) I hate it, but, like, okay. Okay, she's doing the work. She's not just, like, riding the coattails of it. But it is, like, it seems like she's trying. That's what happens with a lot of these white pop artists. And, again, she's so tan in it. Like, in just the appropriate. It's so. And she's got, like, she's got, like, a gold tooth. Is that necessary? There's, like, little things. I'll be honest. At least Miley was, like, pale as snow, 
Yeah. And like, and I think that's what we all kind of laugh she at. She didn't now. put it's on like, like an afro wig or something. But like I think what's <laughs> also funny is like in the Miley Cyrus of it all. On the flip side, her father just stayed her father. Billy Ray Cyrus showed up to that mm. little Nas X video as Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> and that man <laughs> made it straight to the BET Awards where Miley had been yeah. trying to get to for years, and he showed up there talking about. Well, and we were all like, yeah. yes, turn yeah. up, turn up, turn just up, Just be up. yourself. Just show yeah. up as you. You don't have to. I think it's like the costume of it. Yeah, yeah she's cosplaying blackness. And she I know like a lot cosplaying of blackness. <laughs> I mean, it's like you see it with like K-pop groups. <laughs> and I always have to yeah. like rectify in my mind like, oh, they have no clue that this is like confusing. Where I'm yeah. like, like, I love BTS, but that man raps. And it's clear that he learned English and how to rap from listening to black men. Because I cannot right. remember who it is. And please, ARMY, please don't come after Uh-oh. me. I love BTS. Uh-oh. I just don't <laughs> remember everybody's <laughs> name right now because it's early in the morning. But, like, he'll come out and be like, smooth, like, butter. And I'm like, oh, I have to remember he literally learned how to rap listening right. probably to, like, T.I. and Jay-Z and all these. So, like, his cadence, his way, his mannerisms. The same yes. thing with, like. If I watch like Blackpink and I'm like, oh, they are just their entire lives watching like Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Missy Elliott, like who knows, like Trina and like a music producer being like, do that, do (laughs) this, what you see here, do this. And so with her, you're like, but you're English. Like, right. There's no, there are Grimes rappers. There are people there. There are, there are white people from the slums in the UK just Go to friggin' Peckham and like do that, but like do that, yeah. Be like, oh, and then what somebody said, like a really great piece that was done. It was like, and then you go get two black people that you know we can't that act somehow as like your shield against Mm -hmm. people accusing you of blackfishing by being like, well, look, Diddy's here and Nicki Minaj. Oh yes, that's right. I I forgot. Pete Diddy shows up because she samples. She samples Bad Boys for Life, uh, samples, which is like, like this is the same song. <laughs> she pulled a Sweetie on me. Where like the first time I ever heard Sweetie, I was like, "Ooh, blow the whistle!" Oh wait, what is this? What is <laughs> this? Is the I've heard this before, this and what? that Bad Boys for Life song has a special place in your heart. So I'm sure already shots were feeling fired. Like yes. you gotta you gotta knock it out of the park. Otherwise, like it's you know like she had for you. She had to knock nail it, and doesn't sound like she well, did like, for you. That song was. Ev- I mean, I told you before we started. I was like, that song was everything. When I swam, when you get very high up in swimming, you basically have like a walk up song. Like when you're in the ready room to announce that, like, you know, the final, you know, heat of the night or whatever that competing for the championship is coming out. Each person gets a song, so you'd hear like, "Life is a highway," <laughs> and people would be like, "Oh my god, that's so and so," and then you'd hear like. <laughs> You know, something else where I think one girl had like gunpowder and lead. And I was like, all right, I don't think we need to do the uh, <coughs> the Miranda Lambert song about uh, spousal abuse. But are you OK? Oh, I guess. And then like you hear all these very like pop tunes or whatever. And then you'd hear like dun, 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 dun. And my mom was so like, yes. And that's when I knew my black daughter was coming out <laughs> at this I can just see it like hands up in the because you when you walk out to that song, hands are up in the oh, air. Let like me, <laughs> let me paint the seat like black only black girl seated at the top of the race. I used to wear a full fast skin, like neck, arms, legs, full like full black Adam. Like I used to come yep. out like a damn superhero. <laughs> fully covered. I wore a gold cap underneath. It was a tribute to Michael Johnson, who I love. 
underneath of like my team caps, which is also black, I would keep my goggles on because I was always so nervous. I didn't want people to see. So like you yeah. just have to imagine a black girl in a full superhero costume, <laughs> basically, like not making eye contact, trying to be intimidating as fuck, like coming out to Diddy's bad boys for life. Yes. It was just like, I feel like na- like I've talked to people I grew up with and they were like, you used to scare the shit out of me. And I was like, oh, why? Because I was a black girl. They're like, <laughs> no, because you were so serious and so but like that song meant a lot to me so when i heard the sample i was like okay and i love little mix (laughs) then i and i like the song then i watched the video and i was like what is happening am i having a stroke what is happening why are we doing this and then it was Nicki minaj was there and i uh, thought like oh god her and the cousin with the swollen balls and i was just i know and then they they were like uh how do you feel about having you know Nicki minaj in your video given like all of her controversy right now and she's like oh she's you know i respect her wanting to do more research it was like what is the research that Nicki minaj is supposedly doing to find out about if coronavirus getting the vaccine I just yes. want people to say I'm Googling. I'm Googling. But she has had months to Google. She has had months to Google. But I want to go back to something that you mentioned that you came out feeling like a superhero. And speaking of superheroes, we have just wrapped the What If series from Marvel. Oh. And we're going to try to talk about this. Miss. And you know what? It's funny because like when they announced all of the Disney Plus I series that were coming that out. Show. This is the one that I was just like, I couldn't care about. And yet now I feel like it's been one of my favorites. And when and I best. tell you my apathy was so high for this. <laughs> I was like, and I think I even said to one of my friends, like, oh, get excited. You get like a couple weeks free of me talking about a Marvel project. And he was like, oh, great. Thank God. And then I was like, mm, I'll just watch this. And then people kept saying, like, first episode, I didn't want to watch it. I was like, what is this? Then people kept saying. There is a cha- there is a Chadwick Boseman ultimately as Star Lord uh, yeah. part. So I was like, all right, well I'll watch episode two. Well now I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like I've finished Loki and I'm like, wait, let me go back and watch one. So then I was like, oh cute. This is a riff on like the multiverse. Right. And I'll also say like again, as my father has all the flexes in the world, Jeffrey Wright is the voice of Watu the Watcher. Amazing. My dad and Jeffrey Wright are buddies because they went on a trip to South Africa together. Guys, yes. He, this man knows everybody. So I was like, <laughs> oh, good for Jeffrey Wright. He's getting yeah. his coin. <laughs> then you start. Then you start going <clears throat> on TikTok, and the conspiracy theorists are like, well, Watu the Watcher is essential to the Fantastic Four. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. then people are like. Well, this episode is about that. It has an Easter egg. So then I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'll stick oh, yeah. it out for three. Then three is like some weird episode where everybody's dead. And I was like, I don't uh, want this. <laughs> I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Then people were like, the zombies episode. I was like, again, I don't care. <laughs> then they were like, there's a dark Doctor Strange. And I was kind of like, what am I watching? But like all Marvel projects around that dark Doctor Strange episode when he was like, I'm going to go to the multiple dimensions and the Spider-Man trailer had dropped. I went, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Is this show tied? Of to? course it's tied. I thought they were setting course. up like, like a Twilight Zone kind of show where it was mm. like, we can just do whatever we want with this show and do silly premises of like, yeah. what if Tony Stark's favorite color was orange? And now it's like, <laughs> the whole episode is like, the Iron Man suit is orange. Or like... You know, I thought that's what this was meant to be. Is it it's was going to be like a canon. filler show. I thought it was going to be a filler show between movies that they did. I didn't know that I would now be sitting here like, wait, so is the Doctor Strange 
in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Dark Doctor Strange. Uh, and that's why this man is wearing a winter coat. <laughs> and like, because he's trying to keep that octopus that's on his arm. In, like, uh, I've never yeah. been so stressed in my life. And now I've had to like go back because I was, you know, you're like half watching. You're on your phone. And you're just like, oh, bless you, Chadwick. And now I'm like, I wasn't paying attention to the zombie you episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to go back. I also think I think is so amazing is that I think what's so brilliant about it is for one it is it was fun to get to watch these different versions of these characters yeah. in different universes. Like I love Captain Carter. I would love like a live action like Captain Carter. Like I am would be so excited. I love that like they're giving Peggy Carter her like she's getting she yeah. she's such a fan favorite like she got her own TV series and it you know only went on for two seasons but like everyone like they they love Haley Atwell they yeah. keep bringing her back and it was just really fun to like see different versions and worlds of different characters being created and then seeing that like all of these are actual universes that do exist yeah. and you can explore them and do it in really beautiful animation without having to like shoot like an entire you can like create all these universes even, and then some of these folks can like pop up in a live action yeah exactly because even something as silly as like oh thor is like a party boy we were like oh good a light-hearted episode what a treat well then the ending because yeah. like i to your point every one of those episodes had a terrible ending i was like what are we doing here they all had a sad dark Deeply ending confirmed like certain things about characters where you're like wow wanda and vision in every universe love each other so much mm -hmm. that they will do some of the most in like because i'm like oh terrible we all thought it was things. bad that she created westview but you're like <laughs> vision's literally chopping off little pieces of somebody's body to feed to them feed to her you're like, you're like wow there's no As universe where these two yeah. don't do something questionable to keep yeah. each other you're also like yeah. there's no universe where tony stark lives <laughs> oh yeah like, well potentially like, he lives in the missing gamora episode but what i love uh, about which, that is that he's like not you like when he's like, you need me? And he's like, no, get out. No. <laughs> we need Gamora, <laughs> who it looks like. And so I I, yeah. I thought I had had a seizure or something because it looks like there's a missing Gamora episode. And then when you do the research on the Googles, I I'm confused because they season. were. Yeah, they were like, oh, there's a missing Gamora because they plug in Gamora. Because like the, the thing in the final episode won't give too much away, but they pretty much create like this Avengers style of all these people yeah. from the different universes. Yeah. Uh, the Watcher plucks all these different people that you've met from all these different universes and comes together. And then he plucks Gamora. And as excited as I am to see her, I'm like, but I don't know her. I don't know this version yeah. of Gamora that's but in Thanos' armor. I think that's what they to do. Like, I think that's what I found really funny is when people freaked out on the internet and they're like, there's a missing Gamora episode. I'm like, there's not a missing episode. They want a season two. They're not going right. to give you every scenario. They need you to come back. Because even the Watcher says, I'm going to drop all of you back off right. from where I took you from. I'm like, so we can go back to the Gamora episode. Can, yeah, He's already yeah. set it up for us that like we could literally have a whole episode of like how we got to that point and her getting plucked off her timeline. Yeah. It was just it was it feels like a bunch of toys that you had played with before and got to just yeah. do different things with them and it's just I think it's just I, I hat goes off because it was the one series that like yeah it was like oh, I don't think I care about this one and I just loved it so much it was just, a, just a lot like a of fun story, to get to do a lover of storytelling I think what I will never stop appreciating about what Kevin Feige's done and I thought my parents had even like the best observation is they were like he has forced you to care 
about all of it. Everything, like my mom, because yeah. my mom grew up with a cousin that loved comic books. Like that's how this yeah. got passed down to me is that she was like, my cousin had ADD and he loved comics. So she literally, the moment the doctor was like, your daughter has ADD was like, and they were like, and dyslexia, she's not going to be able to read. She was like, <laughs> bet. And like immediately was like, off to the comic book store and was like, <laughs> pick out whatever you want. Oh, and so like, I'd be in school yeah. with teachers being like, oh, she can't really read. My mom was like, I just watched <laughs> that girl read no less than 14 Archie comics <laughs> in one day. I know she can. I just know what you're having her read is boring. Like, <laughs> but like, I look at, but my mom said the best thing. She was like, he has created comic books in films. Yes, where like, you absolutely can just <clears throat> stick to the main issues. Yeah. Or if you're like, I just want to watch the Black Panther ones, you can yes, do that. She said, but if you'd like to understand all the stories and how we yeah. like how when you read like, you know, as she said, like Punisher, you know, edition, the 10th part of the story. If you're like, who's that person? Now you need to go back and watch all the stuff. Yeah. Because when I called her being yeah. like, because when I called them being like, oh, shit, I got to go to the movies. And she was like, so what? I was like, I got to go see Venom. She was like, well, you don't even like those movies. I said, I know, but there's an end credit scene that I need, that I think I'm going to need for <laughs> Spider-Man. And she just goes, I love this. I love that these people have created comic books yeah. out of film and television. That, like, yeah. She said, your father and I have no interest. We don't understand what's <laughs> happening in any of these movies. She I goes, feel so bad for some of the older folks yeah. who just try to go watch one movie or like we will like yeah. She just <laughs> goes, so she confusing. Goes, I don't know what's happening. Your dad and I were like, <laughs> let's go try to see Shang Chi. Your dad's leaning over to me talking about what's happening. I said, I don't know. I don't know what it is either. She's like, then we stuck around for the end credit scene. And some man, some some big fat man was like, it's a beacon. And I was like, huh? And then there are all these symbols in the air. And I was like, all right, we'll just wait and call Mackenzie. And then I'm like, it's the Eternals. And my mom's like, now who, who are the Eternals? Who, who What's that? Do I know them? That's always her question. Do I know them? Do I no, know mom. That? They have nothing to do with Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I felt like we had to do the same thing with my aunt and uncle. We had tried to set them down. We're like, oh, they need to watch WandaVision. And that was just a confusing mess for them of like, my mom said, I don't you know what I'm looking at. Yo, it's like, so confusing. And they all, because like, then we're, these people? we, I think we went to go to the movie theaters to go watch Ant Man and the Wasp with them. And they had all kinds of questions. And they're used to watching movies at home on their big screen. So they will yeah. ask the questions out loud. And then we brought them home to catch them up with, like, oh, you haven't seen Winter Soldier? Well, you need to see this. And they, yeah. and then it's all out of order. And they were so extra confused. Um, but sidebar, an announcement that I have for you and the Corner mm -hmm. Kids that I have not announced, but I think I, I think I can legally announce this because by the time this episode comes out, this thing will be happening three days okay. later. But I, uh, some of you know, I used to work at Marvel and I've hosted things like the Black Panther red carpet. Da -da -da. Oh well, I got a phone call not too long ago uh, to I will be coming to L.A. to co-host the Eternals red carpet on oh God, the 18th. Dead. Of, uh, yeah, it'll, the live stream will be up. We'll make sure that everyone oh has a link God, to it. Oh, my God, I'm so excited for you. I, in a, a big Marvel secret, I have actually already seen The Eternals already. I had a private screener. Congrats on seeing the movie. Congrats on covering the carpet. I am... You are living my dream. My only goal in life is to be a black lady, uh, black lady Kevin Smith. That is all I want. 
Then you're on long. your way. You are on your way. You're right down there. Well, this ties into, so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come on back. But this ties into uh, my corner uh, where my therapist told me, as I am trying to deal with my nerves and anxiety and stress about, you know, possibly talking to Angelina Jolie and not falling, like, on my face as I talk to her on the red carpet, um, as my, my therapist dropped a bombshell to me uh, as, he, as I am a recovering perfectionist, and he said to me, perfectionism is a characteristic of white supremacy. And I damn near fell out of my chair. And we're going to get back to that after the break of how perfectionism is just an offshoot and a symptom of white supremacy. Dun, dun, dun. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. So going to therapy, it's just like all of the above, y'all. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. And therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. It's in such in line with things that we are talking about here today. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you do not want to. That is okay. You ain't got to be camera ready. Just come in ready to do the work. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. You all know that we are big fans of therapy here on the podcast. In fact, my therapist helped gives me what with what my corner is about today so in this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and minority corner listeners get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash minority that's b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash minority a man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel the doctor says ah the treatment is simple the great clown pagliacci is in town tonight Go and see him, and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast, and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Struggling with recovering from uh, perfectionism, which is such a, a, a dangerous tool. And when my therapist said, he was like, oh, you got to cut this out because, you know, this is just uh, connected to white supremacy. And I'm like, well, I definitely don't want that in my life. So that was pretty much. You have a black therapist. Love that. There, yes. A hundred percent. A black gay therapist. I had to oh, change wow. it up because I was like, I need someone that is just zeroing in on me so I get to jump through less hoops of explanation yep. of my identity and sometimes he will just tell it like it is like he will just <laughs> put it out there so <laughs> appreciate you um so I also did some digging in there some additional research onto this he had sent me a document he 
Well, he showed me a document, then I asked him to send me that document, and he has yet to do that. So <laughs> I had to go do my own digging on this. So this will be an ongoing conversation. But there is a quote from Anne Lamont that perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor. And again, I could just stop there because I'm yeah. just like, I mean, I, was, I, I don't want to say because <laughs> you hear that. And you're like, don't want that. OK, yeah. I'm going to stop. And my therapist was saying he was like, you know, with perfectionism, perfectionism, he's like, that doesn't come from our people. Like we did not have that. These ideas. And if you think about it, you know, how much of our lives are trying to fit into this mold that this mm -hmm. other uh you know dominant force has created and you know when you think about like our work effort and you know trying to be enough like you know smart enough uh pretty enough uh all of those sort of things and it's again who has created the dominant culture and where do we who has you know implanted that voice of at least for myself not enough um where does that that come from and so when some of the research that I was doing uh, from this one website called DitchPerfect.com, shout out to this Adorable. amazing website. I clearly need to bookmark <laughs> that while we're on the air. <laughs> uh, they had some really good stuff. And they were talking about the origin of the racial security myth. It goes all the way back to a German scientist named Johann Frederick Blumenbach. And in his nineteen his seventeen ninety five edition of On the Natural Variety of Man, he created the name Caucasian to signify the European race, which he asserted was the ideal embodiment of humanity based on their exceptional beauty, and that he argued that all of the races were simply departures from this idea. And so that's where the origins of this sort of white supremacy really originates from this idea. And, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. If they are fitting into that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, OK, I'm a Caucasian. I'm beautiful. OK, yeah, you're right. We are the best. And that's where it all begins. And so I want to uh, I found 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture, which I'm going to read off. And then I'm going to dive deeper into some of these and we can have a little conversation. And so 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. You have perfectionism. Uh, a sense of urgency, defensiveness, quantity over quality, worship of the written word, which we're going to dive into that one. Um, there's only one right way, either or thinking, power hoarding, fear of open conflict, individualism, I am the only one, and right to comfort. So we're going to dive deeper into some of these. So when you're talking about perfectionism, um, you know, it's that when you're, you know, with perfectionism that there's, you know, little appreciation expressed among people for the work uh, that others are doing. Appreciation is expressed usually, it's directed to those who get the most credit anyway. Um, one of them, one of the points talks about that, uh, that, you know, mistakes are seen as personal, that they reflect badly on the person making them as opposed to just being seen for what they are, that they're just mistakes or that, uh, you know, people are just judged that their work is, you know, inadequate to this idea um, that is just, it, that is, a, a, it's a myth. Uh, like what is perfectionism? Like what is perfect? Like we are all human beings just on this journey doing the best. Um, and, and that, you know, making a mistake is confused with being a mistake or, or doing wrong with being wrong. Um, and that there's this tendency to identify, um, anyway, so that's the idea of around, you know, perfectionism 
is is the first characteristic. I see you pondering. Am I breaking your yeah. head this morning? Yeah, because I'm like, because I'm always fascinated when stuff like perfectionism, like what you're saying now, or like this conversation around fat phobia, like a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the shit that a lot of us are attacking is when they'll be like, so racism, and I'm like, no, no, I thought I had done. <laughs> No! I thought I had finally found something that I'm neurotic about that's not because it was no, it's me. <laughs> all incredibly connected. Like, it like absolutely is. Ugh. It's like, it's, it's maddening. All, it's one of those things yeah. where, like, I remember once writing in one of my dad's speeches, like, this idea that racism is, like, sugar. It's like when you go on a diet. And you're like, I'm gonna cut out sugar. And then when you start reading labels, you're like, Well, shit, sugar's in everything. It's, it's in, in my everything. mayo for some reason. It's yes, randomly that's in like <laughs> this. Like, and that's racism the way I is feel in everything. Racism. It's like sugar. <laughs> like the minute you start really trying to be like, I'm gonna unpack my perfectionism, or like in my case, I was like, I'm gonna start unpacking my own fat phobia. And then like yeah. you do it, and you're like, oh, Is there racism in this? Oh shit. Mm. Or like. <laughs> Or, like, I remember watching a TikTok where, like, people have, were making fun for months of, like, how you're hearing, like, a Hood song, and then it turns into an EDM remix. And then somebody was like, well, the orange is this R, and you're like, don't say it, don't say uh. it. And they're like, racism, because clubs <laughs> don't want to play <laughs> hip-hop music because they're afraid it'll attract black people. And you're like, son of a bitch. I thought uh, we were all just having fun laughing about frat nope. parties, and now we're like racism oh the racism it's always there yeah and the last thing i'll say about the perfectionism before i get to some of these other characteristics which are offshoots but they all connect to white supremacy and you can even sort of check these like how do these show up um in your relationships with yourself and also like at work with friends with other people in your life um but also with perfectionism it's the tendency to identify always what's wrong um and little ability ability to identify name and appreciate what's right so there's always this idea that there is something lacking and something missing and again i would like to highlight that these are not things that are a part of where our ancestors came from for a lot of us like this is just it was not there we were enough we just had a different relationship to community and ourselves and other people another characteristic of white supremacy so we've you know tapped on uh, perfectionism but a sense of urgency so it's this idea that there's this you know um that there's when you have a sense of urgency it makes it really difficult to take the time to create inclusive uh democratic sort of thoughtful decision making in the long term or just to consider consequences so things are just oh we got to do it now you know really 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 fast again this is also a characteristic of, of white supremacy uh, because it really also keeps power in a certain space um it's the frequent in this space of frequent uh in this space of sense of urgency frequently results in sacrificing potential allies for quick or highly visible results. Uh, you know, things are, you know, so data driven that you just don't really have, you know, time to really create space for other other conversations. You know, things just move at such a fast pace. Defensiveness is another characteristic of white supremacy. Uh, in in this racism uh, in everything. I thought I was original. <laughs> And this is where you also get, uh, you know, either or thinking uh, where, you know, criticism of those with power is viewed as threatening or sometimes like inappropriate. Uh, you know, people respond to new or challenging ideas with defensiveness, making it very difficult to have conversations or to have, you know, um, 
any sort of ideas. It's also in spaces where you see this a lot in, you know, Hollywood or the industry um, where you can get abusives, uh, 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 abuses of power can develop in, in this realm here. So with defensiveness of people in power creates an oppressive culture. Quantity over quality is another characteristic of a white supremacy where all resources of an organization are directed towards producing measurable goals. Uh, things that can be measured are more highly valued than things that cannot. So example, you know, um, so I, I see this a lot you in, you know, companies where everything businesses are based on. I'm like, everything yeah. is based on KPIs. Like everything is like, what is your numeric return on this? And so often you're like, I have literally no like stats to back up this idea. I'm genuinely like going on vibes and you just got to like rock with me on this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this this idea if it can't be measured, it has no value. And so it's like, even in my role at my company, I, um, head up our DEIB, our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts. And for me to get the support that I need, I have to be able to say, show them, well, here's what the data, and there is, yeah. you know, people know this, you know, with working in the systems of these, you know, uh, systemic, you know, uh, um, systems. Um, so there are data, there is data. I can show you the data that companies that have diversity at the forefront and a strong uh, diversity foundation, have better decision making like 87 percent increase in better decision making 19 percent uh in retention of their employees uh 19 percent increase in profits like i have the data to show you that but i shouldn't have to bring out the data to show you why diversity is important at your company but if there's no data then yeah. it, it it doesn't matter and again this is again you think about like well like we just i just don't feel like my ancestors used to fucking care about the data of things yeah. you know like it, there was a more holistic and and community vibe um onto it um there also is this point when i mentioned this a characteristic is that the worship of the written word so it's like if it's not in a memo it doesn't exist where uh, and even those with like strong documentation and writing skills are more highly valued. There's just so that there's, you know, only one right way to do things. Um, and that for folks who have difficulty adapting or changing or fitting into these systems yeah. are not going to, they're not going to rise. They're not going to um, have success um, in that. I just, it's so funny you say, because again, you grow up with like a civil rights pioneer and then you grow up with like a mother who was an african-american studies uh in her undergrad and so like she's very funny now where she is very big on this like like what you're talking about like unpacking like racist roots and things and like she'll send me the funniest text where she's like when you have kids i'm not acknowledging gender because that is uh, a colonist way of <laughs> existing and i'm just like whoa whoa hey whoa calm down okay we're taking a little bit of an extreme route here she's like i refuse to impose gender on them until they have decided which one they most identify with and would like to continue forward and i'm just like what what huh but then you'll read like a beautiful book like the prophets which is like mm. similar to kind of what you're talking about where it's like this idea where you're unpacking through narrative the concept that like you know gender binary and sexuality didn't exist till people showed up and it's the same thing like what you're saying now about like having to show data or like being verbal storytellers like mm -hmm. is the root of what black people had to do when they because they weren't allowed to write anything down so it's like right. so we had to orally pass on stories or like we've been my parents and i have been talking a lot about this whole concept of aave 
is that my dad's like, well, it's just, he's like, I, I receive it. It's like a smarter way of saying Ebonics. And he was like, <laughs> and we both were saying, but what people aren't even acknowledging I- that AAVE came to the fact of like, unlike other immigrants that came here and had like TV and school and movies and all this stuff to like learn English, literally a group of people were brought here where they didn't speak the language. And on top of it, the people that bought them here were like, you're not allowed to learn it. You're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. You're not allowed to talk to us who speak the language. And he was like, so now I just got to eavesdrop on you and be like, I think Massachusetts I'm fixing to. So (laughs) I'm fixing to go downstairs. (laughs) And I think they keep pointing at that thing and calling it a horse. So I'm fixing to take the horse. Like, it's just like, right. yes, like passing yeah. this stuff down. But I don't know. I'm just always not disheartened, but I'm also really glad that people are starting to unpack, like starting to read the labels yeah. on the food so that we can figure mm. out why this shit is happening. Absolutely. To see, like, your point, racism's in everything. So we need to, like, oh, okay, let me. Because, like, when you realize that, again, like, now – when I'm feeling anxiety and feeling like I have yeah. to be perfect like now that or, you're or saying do this, the I'm like, most, yeah. I, I don't need to go. I don't need to. I don't have to prove myself to anyone or anything. Yeah. And like, I, you know what? I might say the wrong thing in front of Angelina Jolie. Whatever. My yeah. ancestors do not care. I am free. <laughs> go off. Like, or her like, lucky day we to get to about talk how to me. I'm interviewing somebody big. And my biggest fear right, is yeah. that I'm, they kept saying like, <laughs> you got to submit <laughs> the questions beforehand. You got to submit. And I kept right saying to the other person i go but is it okay if we also have a conversation if this person mm, answers mm-hmm. this question and i'm like right shit that was real can we talk about that can we go back more? to that yeah because i do think it's like it's this idea of the written word or this idea of mm-hmm. kpis where i get what they're asking but i'm like if i'm sitting across from another black woman who is known to be a champion of black people if the conversation yes. veers off of tell me about your Met Gala dress and instead ends <laughs> up on like, this is why I chose a black creative team or this is why I choose black products I do, projects I do. Can we follow that train right. and we'll figure out later how to shoehorn and like, and the bitch is laid every time. Like, <laughs> but it is, it's, or like, <clears throat> I know I have anxiety so often. And yeah. it's so funny you say that because I, the m- thing that causes me the most anxiety is like right now we're working on like a new brand and mm-hmm. I'll get questions that are like, why don't we have like more of this or how do we, how are we growing? What are our growth metrics? And like all of that matters. But I also find myself being like, but look how, look how people are talking about this. Like mm-hmm. I'm also like more people need to be speaking about the brand and everybody's looking at me like, yeah, but we need more followers. I'm like, but if we kept the same amount of followers we have, but every one of these people cared so we're, much about yeah. this brand that yes, they wanted these to crazy tell evangelists. Someone, yeah, yeah, I'm like, didn't what does it matter? And it's funny you say because right. now I'm like, oh, well, that explains why I'm having like a major anxiety attack on the phone. Where when the question is like, <laughs> how many followers we have, I'm like, oh, 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 I'm trying, <laughs> I'm really working on it. Because you're creating like, something different, and it, it, I think it goes back to, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but our roots are in creating like quality over quantity and again we'll go back to this one of the characteristics of white supremacy culture is uh uh quantity uh it's like oh how many as opposed to just the quality of things what we did on our breaks like that is my greatest struggle in life is like when people are like oh my god i threw a party and like 
48,000 people came. And I am truly like, I can, like, and I'm never being hyperbolic when I'm like, I think I have like five friends. And mm-hmm. people are like, yeah. that is so sad. And I'm like, no, no, no. But if of those five people, all yeah. of them, I text right now, I need help getting rid of a body. And they're like, all right, cool. All right, <laughs> Where are you? Are you in California? All right, if you can get to Utah, uh, to this place, I Googled, if we can get rid of the body here. Um, I think we're outside of extradition. Um, next, I'm gonna need you to get out of the country. Like all of those five <laughs> people, there's such right. substantive, like meaningful relationships that, like, I know I am godmother to one of them, to both of her children. Another one I'm gonna be in her wedding. The other one is my cousin, who's basically like my twin brother. Like, those people are so deeply tied to me that in that quality it is so high but like the quantity when people are like people will leave out of women will leave out of bathroom and be like she's my best friend i'm like how 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 (laughs) just met her or i'm like how are you doing small talk and i've always felt all this like is it weird is it because i'm neurodivergent that i don't know how to small talk and then like listening to i'm like it's probably racism it's probably like black people don't know how to be like well let's check the label like let's unpack what was your childhood like yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. Going deep. Um, so I've got four more that I want to dive into here. So we've also got either or thinking. Um, so again, there's this idea that only one answer is possible. So it's there's there's I no sense that. of both and here um, that there's a one way and this, you know, creates conflict. Again, it also increases a sense of urgency that and again, that there's like someone has to be wrong, that there's a good, there's a bad, there's a right or wrong. There's an us against uh, us against us. Yeah, right. In, in there's group there's that. Group. Yeah. Yep. And then the next characteristic is power hoarding. So we have definitely, you know, seen this, yeah. uh, seeing, seeing that power is limited. Only so much can go, uh, go around. Um, so then sometimes those who with power feel threatened when anyone suggests change and how things uh, should go. Or again, you see this from people who, when we are talking about equity, it feels like something is being taken away when all we're trying to do is put, bring bring our own chair up to the table yeah. and it's like oh well there's no space for you here and that takes away from my Can space we also get like, like there's the plenty comedy. of space even and even outside of the work world i don't know maybe my mind is going there because of like all the dave Chappelle discourse but like the fact of like when roy woods jr made that joke about like honestly for black people changing pronouns shouldn't be that hard because this man has gone from diddy to puffy to puff daddy to puff diddy <laughs> to brother love it was like we're so used to like that's what i want to go by now and everybody's like bet all right okay right yeah <laughs> all right we're like, we're <laughs> u- so used to flipping the script and changing yeah. it yeah well there's also in power hoarding that you know there's little value in sharing sharing power um and then you have fear of open conflict, which is another characteristic of white supremacy. Yeah. Um, and there's so much emphasis on on being polite and, you know, you know, wanting to create, you know, waves um, and equating the raising of difficult issues with being impolite, rude or out of line. Wow. Essentially just reading my journal on that one. <laughs> 
Uh, the next characteristic of white supremacy is individualism, uh, which I find so fascinating. That is Little so experience true. or comfort oh my with God. working as part of a team or community. And if you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah. And you think about just like the creation of Amer America. And it was just this like manifest destiny. All this space is mine. And you feel like this is why like I can watch, you know, TV shows about I can watch Crazy Rich Asians and connect. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the aunties. Right. Like yes. or I could watch, you know, uh, Monsoon Wedding and feel a connection to it. Right? Because I can watch a lot of from shows about people of like so like even to all the boys. I can understand yeah. that he is dating the sister and the sisters like in her family. Right. That it's like yes. I take. I take her out, but I also have to take Kitty with us. Because I'm like, to right. me, that is that my village. You are in a relationship right. with my village. It is not just yep. the two of us for months alone. Like, my poor cousin. Like, he right now is dating his first serious, really serious girlfriend. We're only three months of our age. So this is probably the girl he's going to marry. And, like, the confusion on her face went immediately when we all finally got to meet her. And I was like, cool. And I turned to my cousin. I was like, so what vacation are we all going on? <laughs> and she has this look kind of like no oh, like we're girl all going, uh, we got a trap yeah. like do you want to do you want to go to paris or you want to do a cruise and she was kind of like uh-huh and then i said like "Ooh, tyler i hope you don't mind steph i would love to have a family moon and my mom's like yes yes family moon key west and she looked at us like and it's like but we are we're a community like we've all community we're not trying to do we're not trying to do the smother thing which i feel like is a weird thing right. white people do <laughs> where it's mm. like you could never be good it's like oh no we we want to love you as yes. like we want just as many stories and memories and moments with you as like yep. he has individually where it's like i love stephanie because <laughs> you love stephanie because not just like oh that's tyler's wife Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's it. And we all like from I think it's just, again, this the space again where I feel like you just see it with a lot more families or cultures of, of color is like there is a sense of community. And one, yeah. I think we 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 already we had that. And then two, having to survive in this country, you have to have we community. were like, we have to have a community. We have to have this, you know, space or it's together. Funny you I, say that even from a leadership position, when people will, will congratulate me on the accomplishments of my team, I'm immediately, I'm like, yeah, the team did fantastic. Like, I don't, right. I don't, I'm like, thank you. I will make sure to let them know. Or when they'll be like, your team killed, it. like, congrats on the coverage for something. And I'm like, they were exceptional. Yep. Like yep. it doesn't occur yep. to me to be like, thank you so much. I'm true. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I didn't. They did that. I just what? made sure. And I always tell my team, my duty as your manager, as a leader, is service leadership, is to make yes. your job easier. So my yep. day to day is, what are the roadblocks keeping them from being great, and what can I help you with? I'm like, now if people want to, again, I see myself as like Phil Jackson. I'm like, now if y'all win a championship great be on tv get the stuff have the trip to disney it doesn't take away from me because people are still going to turn and be like how'd they pull that off oh phil jackson probably there. <laughs> like, and if they keep winning and the team changes then you're really not just like going like wow kobe's good you're going like damn kobe and phil jackson they pulling some it shit is. off i was right. like it they keep bringing in new dudes and pulling this off 
it is a teamwork it's a teamwork effort and i think i yeah it just that one really and you even see it with like individualism is so such a huge thing about american culture like uh, it's my right to not wear a mask and all this stuff right? there's not this sense yeah. of there's not a sense of community that is there of like how do my actions affect other people that like my rights matter than the 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 good of good of good of everybody else and i think right. again and the question is why is this here and again we look at the label oh racism yeah, that, again racism. these are characteristics yeah. <laughs> of white supremacy the last one i want to read and then i'm going to uh quickly read off what are the antidotes or the the opposite of these so that way you walk away with like tools to incorporate other things that are going to be more beneficial and less like white supremacist in your life <laughs> last one i lead is a characteristic of white supremacy is right to comfort uh, the belief that those who uh, with power have a right to emotional and psychological comfort. You think about this like, oh, I don't again, I don't want to talk about anything that might make me uncomfortable. Right. Like if I'm, you know, Karen, like in the office, like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable or or your black presence makes me uncomfortable. Yes. I'm going to call the police that I have a right or that music yeah. is too loud. It's disrupting my comfortability and and so like that everyone has this right to that we're not allowed to be uncomfortable sometimes like that's where growth comes from you go to the gym it's not comfortable it is not a day at the spa like that you know comes later but you've got to you've got to work out those muscles for growth. it's funny all the stuff that you're saying i feel like in adam grant's book think again even a little bit in like francis fry's book unleashed they all of these con all the opposite of all of these things are proposed as like radical new ways of both leading and thinking mm. and really what you realize is at the heart of it is everybody being like hi so we all need to dismantle white supremacy so that we can actually get some shit done around here Done and done. That is the simple, simple thing of it. And here are 15 characteristics for you to incorporate into your life for a culture of inclusivity, equity, justice, growth, uh, liberation. And so here are 15 as opposed to the terrible ones we just read and dived into. So you've got appreciative learning. So again, we're here for like learning and growth and development. Like, so they're you know, th there are no mistakes. It's all part of this this growth journey that we're on. Realistic expectations. Um, I have this quote written on my board right now that I got from Tara Brock uh, that says, forgive yourself for not meeting your unrealistic expectations, um, which is just like a lot of the times we Preach. put our own pressures again because we are chasing these ideas of white supremacy Preach. perfection. So we put all these extra things like I was not going to get all those 12 things done today. Why did I think that I would? And I'm not a terrible person. The fact that I did not get those 12 things done. Um, working with fear. So, again, I always say that fear, it's just a natural emotion that we have. We are hardwired for it. Uh, but fear can be on the bus, but it can't drive. You can. I see you fear. Mm -hmm. You sit in the back near the bathrooms. I appreciate you. Boom. We're not going to go off the cliff, but thank you. Backseat driving. Um, quantity, uh, quantity and quality. So if you are going for like, yes, let's have a lot, but let's get again, like five friends is a lot. Those five quality friends that will help you bury the body. That is an abundance of riches right there. Um, embracing differences, embracing the new sharing responsibilities. So again, we're in this community space, uh, making space for everybody to participate both and thinking again getting away from that either or only one yep. can be right 
multiple things can be, you know, right. Power sharing, inviting courage. Uh, let's, you know, I feel like some people just hug into their, their fears or oh, that's too scary. Or, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. Like, okay, let's not own that as just part of your story. Like let's have courage. Like, I have to have courage to go on this red car. I people think like, oh, I'm an extrovert that I don't get nervous. I get nervous all the time, but I, I <laughs> every day I love ev- when people are every like, day. you're so fearless. I'm like, I literally pee no. my pants before everything. <laughs> everything. I'm. I even if I'm doing like a presentation on Google Hangout, and I have like literally talked to Chadwick Boseman before. I'm like still nervous, but I do it anyways, and I cultivate I would, I would courage. If somebody said you're on, the, you're about to get on Zoom with Chadwick Boseman, I would have been like, I'm sorry, my mind just turned off. What did you say? <laughs> Well, no, this is when I interviewed him at the Black Panther red carpet. So it wasn't even like the protection of a Zoom. It was just like, even, oh, still, I'm standing like, truly next to you. The way I'm going to have my face pressed to the chain link at the Eternals premiere being like, I know this man. I know this man. Oh, gosh. Uh, collaborativism. Uh, open plurality, going slow in order to grow. So again, going away from that urgency space. It's like, you know, take our time, be intentional, transparency. And the last one, welcoming discomfort. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable because that's where, you know, growth is going to come from. So there it is. All in all, if white, if, if perfectionism is in your life, stop it. Because that's just racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So we don't want that. We want to go on a, I'm going on a white supremacy diet. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm cutting cutting less of it out of where I can find it. I'll <laughs> look at the label where you can find it. It's everywhere. When you're, dieting, when you're like, I've only been eating these calteen bars. They're supposed to help me lose weight. And then you're like, damn it. These, <laughs> oh, are all, these also have racism in it. <laughs> Read the label. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, y'all, you've been waiting for this for months. We are finally going to dive into Stoicism. Ba, 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 ba. Bad boys for life. Uh, uh. I wanted to give you your hype some. <laughs> we all know the story of boy meets girl. Boring, yawn. But what about girl meets girl? Or maybe boy meets girl and then they meet another girl. Hmm, intriguing. With Dipsy, the stories continue beyond the initial meetup, so come hear what happens behind closed doors. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there with them through their sexy stories. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions sensual bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off sexy time sexy story time for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash minority once again that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to d-i-p-s-e-a stories.com Slash minority. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. 
Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV, and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all every other week on maximum fun uh all right we are here it is uh monday making the hype has been we're so excited we're finally gonna dive in I have to close the loop on this because my brain is like, we can't live knowing that Go we forward. <laughs> opened this topic and have never closed it. <laughs> Everybody's been on pins and needles. I will say there's been tweets where people have already been kind of looking into this because you had mentioned, you're like, you know, I'm doing stoicism. People are like, oh, what is that? And they've been yeah. doing some of their own research because you inspired them. I and, would also uh, like to say that I don't think I've ever done a corner correctly. I don't know how they work, <laughs> even though I've done this show who knows how many times. I read that doc you send me every time, and I'm like, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it right. And I don't know how to do a corner. So uh, you are not. doing it right. We're going to go away from perfectionism because you are I know, are right? Enough, and we and literally just had this combo up. where I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing the corner. Right. It's not correct. <laughs> you nailed you've done the assignment every time because you've shown up just as you are. Oh, last thing I want to do to also close the loop on my corner. I have a new mantra. It's very simple. Ooh. But every time I have like doubt or judgment come up, which is often, <laughs> I have to just say to myself, I am enough. I am enough. I just like literally, and when I can't sleep at night, I also will just lay in bed saying I am enough. And so I'm like, okay, I'm having difficulty sleeping, but I'm going to sit here for eight hours and just do an I am enough mantra. Yeah. And it fucking helps. You fake it till you make it. And you have to replace that negative track that is in your head yes. with, because you literally are just showing up. You are enough. So, and I go to the gym in the Castro, there's all these, you know, <laughs> gay type bodies. And I <laughs> will start judging myself or judging them. Oh and I'll be God. like, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. So, Last thing I just wanted to a tool for you to use in your journey of dismantling perfectionism, aka white supremacy in your life. Boom. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, so uh truly the corner that uh <laughs> so many of you have been asking for. No, like two people have two <laughs> <laughs> people have been like, would love to know more. So when I first came on here, I had said my corner was gonna be kind of in regards to stoicism and i know a lot of people like right off the bat they're like the stiff upper lip thing that is not what we're talking about is stoicism <laughs> the description but more so stoicism the philosophy um yes. so kind of the roots of stoicism are rooted in as they call it again guys this is a comedy of like studying philosophy but studying it truly for like personal development and not for the idea of being able to like regurgitate it and sound cool um, sure. But it was kind of developed, um, it started in 300, like 300 BC um, by Zeno, I know, right? Good year. <laughs> Zeno, Cleanthes, and Chrysippus. And I think um, all Stoic philosophers, I'll probably do a lot of referencing content that you can look towards. Because the biggest thing that I really wanted to get into is this idea of, obviously, Stoicism rooted in the classics, a big part of what people question specifically if you're a black person 
of how can you want to read and follow philosophy kind of developed by these people that owned slaves, by Marcus Aurelius who had slaves and was part of conquering, you know, nations, part of, right. you know, Nero who was an insane emperor had, <laughs> I believe, um, Cato. Yeah, I think Cato was his kind of stoic philosopher. I like to equate him to um, like Madison Trump where it's like somebody who feels no. like they have a very <laughs> deep moral compass trying to advise a man who's like, shut up! They're in the microwave. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. And I think why I was drawn. So all of that is to say, like, I understand that there's a lot of, like, cognitive dissonance that people feel about stoicism, where it's like, you're black. How can you, this thing is used to, you know, justify why people behave the way they do. The reason I was drawn to stoicism is because I didn't trust stoicism. So it's that mm. thing where if you look around the internet, there's 9,000 white boys in tech who are like, Bob Stoicism, man. Ryan Holiday's the dude. Wake up every morning, like do my stoic meditation. And so I very much was like, oh, this is nonsense that like white boys follow. <laughs> and then I happened to one day listen to Ryan Holiday's podcast, The Daily Stoic, and he had a woman on. And the woman mm. said, literally started the podcast with the same thought I had, which was I was never interested in stoicism because it seemed to be for white guys. And then they started talking about like women who've had this very stoic behavior who've had this kind of stoic philosophy in the way that they act and the way that they present themselves i remember ryan saying something to the effect of like nobody was more stoic than women during the westward expansion who had like you know had a friggin tear in their vagina from giving birth and were in the back of like a covered wagon being like we will get to the other <laughs> side and i will <laughs> and i will endure this and so <laughs> my interest and I was like well what is this whole philosophy and so yeah. in it found the four stoic virtues which are courage justice temperance and wisdom I love all of those things exactly which is why I was laughing when you were talking about like how to dismantle white supremacy through kind of our perfectionism is this idea that so much of what you were saying to dismantle it also kind of Venn diagram with the four virtues but the one yes. that I love the most coming from an exceptionally religious family was this idea that the Stoics believed in worrying about what was in your control and leaving mm. the rest up to however it Ooh. shakes out. And in yes. my very Christian household, it was seen as like, you worry about you and the rest you give it up to God. And yeah. so then Surrender. I was kind of like, wait a second. Well, this is starting to sound really familiar. Then I started learning about people like Epictetus who was born a slave, truly <gasps> said that you can take nothing from me that I don't yeah. give to you. Um, there's a yeah. great Epictetus quote that I always meditate on. Is like, basically, the only way you can cause me offense is if I agree to take offense to what you're saying. Right. Which yeah. then led me to Frederick Douglass. To basically okay. realize that Epictetus was the Frederick Douglass of his time. Because simultaneously, mm -hmm. I came across a quote of his where he got on a train. The conductor told him to go back to the back of the train. And a gentleman, a black gentleman, says to him, like, Mr. Douglass, he has caused you such a great offense. And he's like, how has he caused me a great offense? I'm still Frederick Douglass. As mm. I paraphrase for my dad, like, I'm still that bitch. Like, what is he actually going to do to me? <laughs> and he basically says to this man, like, the only way I can... I can have anything taken from me as if I allow this man to take my dignity and mm. I didn't give it to him to take. So then I really started to like kind of sit with my dad and talk about like, 
how did you get through what you got through at Little Rock? And I started to hear a lot of the same kind of stoic philosophies and thoughts. I started asking, you know, other kind of civil rights people that we knew. And I realized that so many of our kind of civil rights icons, even somebody that we don't even think of like Malcolm X, were the embodiment of stoicism, like this idea of a live time versus dead time. That the Stokes were like, that somebody like a Malcolm X similar to the Stokes was like, yeah, you can lock me in jail, but it's up to me to decide, do I come out of this situation better or worse? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody like a Malcolm saying, I have the freedom to change my mind. I have the freedom to want more. I can't control everything, but what I can control is this little corner of the universe that I have. And so that's really what made me fall in love with Stoicism is when I realized the Stoicism in Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and uh, Martin Luther King when I would look at somebody like Orion Holiday and they would say one of my favorite Stoic texts is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And I started to dig more and more into what they were saying. So all this is a very roundabout way to say, like, that is why I love and embrace this philosophy. My mother loves it because it has caused me to also now be much more, not, I wouldn't say religious, but much more into reading the Bible and understanding what, I'm actually surrendering. <laughs> so like sure, in this narrow yeah. world of what I understand now is in my control. I'm now like, cool. So now I want to go read the stuff that like, what's his plan on the stuff I can't control. And then I like come back and I'm like, Hey mom, did you know that in first Samuel, she's like, yes, Mackenzie, I know. Did you know, like I'm in line at Disney, like reading a book on faith. And she's like, she's like, I don't know how we got here with like old white men. But um, and I bust. <laughs> we're here, of, and I'm appreciative. Yeah, she's like, we're here, and I love it. So I think one of my favorite things it's um said in How to Be a Roman Emperor by Donald Robertson, um, which also you'll love this because a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy is rooted in stoicism and how mm, they developed it. Yeah. But um, I love this line. It says the true goal, the true goal of life for Stoics isn't to acquire as many external advantages as possible, but to use whatever befalls us wisely whether it be sickness or health, wealth or poverty, friends or enemies. It's this idea that the fool believes himself to need countless things, but he uses them all badly. So even, you know, again, in this pterodactyl, one of the big things (laughs) is that I started getting very into, like, reading more of these Stoic philosophies and truly understanding, like, what these people are talking about, that they're talking about being brave, that they're saying something as simple as, like, if the tiniest thing you can do, sympathia is a stoic idea of doing things for the collective. If the simplest thing you can do is get a shot and put on a mask, you do it mm, because that's yeah. what you do. You know, whether right. it was learning more about people like Stockdale who got locked up during Vietnam and spent time in the war camps there, or whether it is understanding how somebody like Abraham Lincoln can on one side believe in freeing the slaves, but on the other side make the decisions that he's also making and say the questionable things. It's this idea that not perfect people were called and perfect Mm. people were following this philosophy, but that it caused you to have a sense of a moral compass to make you question these. So if you are curious about stoicism, Mm. there is this incredible um, tweet by Ryan Holiday where he talks about the questions that Marcus Aurelius asked himself daily. Is this essential? Am I afraid of death because I won't be able to do this that I'm doing right now anymore? What good is it to be remembered after you're gone? Why can't I endure this? And do I need to have an opinion about this? 
And so, <laughs> oh, do right? I need to have Yikes. an opinion about this? <laughs> and my, and like another great Marcus Aurelius quote, um, I won't read the whole quote, but it's this idea that life isn't a dance, it's a wrestling match, that it's not about <laughs> just being led by life, but it's about preparing yourself for kind of the slings and arrows of what life has in front of you. You know, a great way that Marcus starts meditations is he literally says in one of the chapter, everybody I meet today is, is I'm going to paraphrase it heavily, everybody I meet today is going to be a dickhead, get on my nerves, work my absolute last nerves say stupid stuff throw a can of soda in a walmart because they don't want to wear a mask but what i have to remember is that they don't know what i know they don't follow the Mm. philosophy i have so i have to extend them a moment of grace but i also Mm. have to move forward in the person rooted in the virtues and systems of belief that i have to be better um and i think in my very ranty corner uh, I will end it with my absolute favorite Stoic philosophy, which is memento more. Um, and it's this idea that we're all going to die. And I know it's very like morose to end mm. this thought with this. <laughs> but what I love about it, and Neil deGrasse Tyson said it uh, to a certain extent to Larry King. Larry King asked Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, which do you, if you could uh, live forever or do everything you're doing right now, but knowing you're going to die, what would you do? And he was like, well, Larry, what would you pick? And Larry was like, live forever. And Neil deGrasse Tyson said, I wouldn't do anything different because I would do it like I do now. And he said, well, why? And he goes, when you're eating a delicious meal and you know that you're getting, you're counting how many bites and you're thinking through, you slow down, you savor Mm. it, you enjoy Mm. every moment of it. And I think that has been the philosophy that for every person that like laughs at me for having an annual pass to Disney and going by myself for calling my mother 14 times in one day for like, <laughs> you know, texting my dad stupid TikToks, it's because I try to root myself in this idea of memento more is that every day I wake up is a gift. I know mm-hmm. definitively I am in today. So yeah. knowing that I could die peppers how I go about my day, who I choose to talk to, what texts I send, what texts I don't send, what I say yeah. no thank you to, what I choose mm. to do and what I choose not to do. And I think the beauty I have found in stoicism is that I continue to unwrap parts of it, but and I find that it is making me a better daughter, a better Christian, a better you know sister. It is making me a lot more empathetic but also not taking anybody's bullshit and i'm incredibly Mm. appreciative for it and so like for all the listeners all two of you who have asked me (laughs) about this thing i highly recommend um starting with people who translate it into a more digestible way like a ryan holiday and then you know highly recommend reading marcus Aurelius's meditation and don't let these tech bros make you think that it means uh being a dickhead and ignoring things it means tearing down racist statues it means advocating for vaccine shots and it means just being better and trying to be better every single day ah that is so beautiful i feel like you've it it, it, it it goes so well with what we were just dismantling yeah. in the last like corner that's what i thought was so funny is tools. every time yeah. you were saying something i was like oh that is like literally bringing stoicism to work it's like wow it's like be like i think what i think of moments like when you're like i'm gonna be on the carpet it's like the stoics would say like when you're there be where your feet are like fully mm, be like mm-hmm. hey everybody turn like i am so bad about this now because of it where if i have in a moment that i love i will fully turn off my phone like yeah i will put that sucker yeah. on silent or right. i will be in so the moment 
yeah, yeah. And it's even like when because the anxiety comes from me thinking about the carpet and I yeah. and I've actually been doing this. I got this from Brene Brown is that like when I feel anxiety coming up, I will just do gratitude. I will do three yeah. things that I'm gra grateful for right yeah. now in this moment of like, oh, I'm grateful that I have oxygen. I'm grateful that I'm at the gym. A lot of these things happen while I'm at the gym, <laughs> as you can tell, um, where my anxiety will kick up because I'm thinking about the future. And so I'll just like what because because when you practice gratitude, um, fear and gratitude can't live in the same space. So yes. once you start being grateful and this is what happen too, because sometimes I'll be experiencing foreboding joy where I'll be in a really happy moment but i'll be thinking yeah. about the t next terrible thing that could happen yeah. like oh i'm enjoying sitting in this coffee shop what if i got shot right now because yeah. i'm in america yeah and instead i'll be like okay <laughs> i see you fear again fear can be on the bus but you can't drive and so i'll recognize that i'm having some fearful thoughts and then i'll just then do yeah. some gra gratitude i'm grateful that the sun is shining i'm grateful that I have oxygen, you know, flowing yep. through my body. Um, and so just sort of, you know, in those spaces of because of, it's got to come up, but we've got tools so we don't have to, like, live in that. Can you repeat those four virtues again? Yes. I'm write them down. It is justice, courage, temperance and wisdom. Ah, uh, yes. Recipe. Those are the things that we should be consuming and eating. Right. So we can cut out that, like, you know, white supremacy out of our I'll life. I'll be honest, like stoicism is probably a large reason, like, I don't really watch the news anymore. And not that I'm not mm. an informed citizen, but like, sure. <laughs> truly, I heard like somebody in an interview, like a stoicism podcast being like, he was talking about sports and he goes like, how crazy is it that for hours before a game starts, we analyze who's going to win the game. Oh what if God. we just wait yeah. and see who wins the game? Uh. <laughs> and it was like, and I was having that conversation with my dad about the news. I was like, I don't have patience for the news, not because the news is important because cable news, I don't need to sit with you in real time while you pontificate what may or may not happen during oh the gosh. congressional vote. Why don't we just wait, see if they and take see. a recess, and now break down, hey, why'd you take a recess? Start asking questions. Why'd you go on recess? Why is that the case? I was like, that's not what the news is. It's everybody being like, well, this is what I think, what you were talking about. The yeah. research, this is what yeah. I think is going to happen. This is what I believe it's going to do to me, to my friends. My, I'm like, mm. one of my friends said to some, or not even friend, somebody that's on the one of the show I'm on, said like oh how do you know so much about um like why do you have the opinion you have about the the pandemic and i said like oh because i'm reading a book on the spanish flu and she was kind of like huh and i said i don't i'm not <laughs> estimating what i think is going to happen based <laughs> off of like what you dum-dums are screaming about in trader joe's like i'm literally reading the last time we did this <laughs> Like what, <laughs> what we got wrong. What happened the last, the last time? time? Let's see. Okay, great. And then yeah. learning from that. Or like um, my mom and I were discussing like books I'm reading and she was like, I can't relate. And I said, yeah, but to me, books aren't a mirror. They're a door. Like that's what Stoics mm -hmm. believe is that you mm -hmm. go and you. So <laughs> I remember somebody was like, did you really read Thomas Sowell? And I was like, yeah, it was a, it was a headache. It was a headache. <laughs> it was a headache. I read it and I was like, oh, okay. That was rough. But I came out of it being like, all right, cool. I could see how if you've not, you know, dug into actually read the autobiography of Fe Frederick Douglass and instead you stop right here, you are like, our problem is everybody needs to pull their pants up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got all it. Right. Yeah. Well, all right. And I, I think like that, like, 
when you were talking about just like being intellectually curious, like I think that is the biggest thing I've learned from stoicism mm. is that like mm. I love how people describe it as like it's not a done philosophy. Like it's constantly requires you to like seek new information or read new people or find teachers in history and like you know it's just i don't know it, i feel like i'm grateful that it has helped me keep my head on straight to a certain respect yeah, but sure. man is it something else when you're like literally having to sit in the morning and like contemplate your mortality but then that's yeah. where instantly when my friends were like do you want to talk like casual acquaintances are like i'm gonna call you to talk about what if i'm like no nah, i'm gonna call my parents <laughs> and they're like, huh? And I'm like, because yeah. a freaking earthquake could happen right now. My whole living room falls out. I'd rather the last convo I had is with my parents <laughs> than you about what if. Get off my phone. Yeah. We haven't talked <laughs> in like six years. Get away from me. But it also helps you to, I think, put things in perspective. Yeah. And I think, again, the thing is, I'm talking out loud my anxieties about things of, of in the future. I'm grateful to be here on this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful to be talking with you right now. But that, like, again, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, when you live yeah. in that space of, like, one day I'm going to die, you realize all the things that you're stressing and worrying yeah. about really don't matter. And like you were yeah. saying, you start focusing on the things that really do matter and the things yeah. that, like, really are important and so you let go all of the 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 trivial bullshit so well i want to tell you this you did the assignment you did the assignment you did did it it. tens across the board you did absolutely well worth the wait (laughs) i didn't rant on the air (laughs) it was so good well worth the hype of like the past like four or five months so it was so stressful it's been a long time so good oh man check the labels and just make sure racism's not there all right well folks that is the episode for us what a fabulous one and it's block party i hope you all are having a fabulous block party here at the maximum fun you know, all of the shows, we are cross, what do the kids call it? Crossovering? Yes, we are doing that. In fact, there will be an extra bonus episode boo, 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 with me and some special guests popping up into your feed later on for the second week of our block party 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 here at Maximum Fun, you know? We don't need a fun drive just to get together. We can do it in October. So uh, lots to look forward to still to celebrate this amazing community, which is all of you and all these great shows. It's just fabulous, y'all. And don't forget, uh, you can go to, I believe you just go to the Marvel YouTube channel. Uh, if you are so curious and want to see me hosting the red carpet uh, for Marvel.com and the Marvel YouTube channel, you can check it out there. Uh, see me interviewing the cast of The Eternals. It will be great fun and, uh, yeah, wish me luck. So, and if you miss it, it'll be 5 p.m. on Monday, October 18th, 5 p.m. Pacific. Do the math for wherever you are if that is not your time zone. And if you miss it, don't worry. It will live on the YouTubes and Marvel.com forever. So, definitely check it out. Uh, should, should be super fun. Looking forward to it. And uh, there we go. 
that is the show. Happy Black Party. We've got, uh, I believe, a Neke coming up next week to close out Black Party. You know, we had to bring her on over here, too. So, super fun times. Big thank you to Mackenzie Green for being on the show and being just as fabulous as you are. And thank you to all of our listeners, our Maximum Fun members, our editor, producer, Sarah Brown, production coordinator, Lori Fowler. And thank y'all for listening to Minority Corner because together we are the majority. Bye, y'all. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.